Dateline, Monday the 1st of September 2014, and time keeps on slipping, mate. It certainly does, Grant, and uh, welcome, folks, to the Australia Desk for episode 314, a bits and pieces episode. You know what that means, Grant. We can go even longer than normal and really upset Max. Woohoo! Yay, are we ready for a three-hour Ausdesk? Come on down. Yeah, Christ. No, I don't think I don't think even Max would let us off with that. He's very forgiving, you know. Yeah, but you know that we're, the big problem with the three-hour Ausdesk is that <clears throat> you'd have to edit it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, uh, what we thought we'd do this time, you know, just because we'd like to cheat a bit, is to play an extended interview with the uh, Qantas uh, Chief Executive Officer, Alan Joyce. Now, uh, during the week, um, Qantas has had yet more bad financial news. In fact, uh, Grant, some people are billing it the greatest financial loss in uh, Qantas' history, the headline number there, $2.8 billion, that's billing with a B, dollars. But uh, Grant, that sort of hides uh, really the true figure for the underlying loss, doesn't it? Because a lot of that comes to, uh, along with uh, write-downs in a lot of their assets, including their aircraft, or chiefly their aircraft. That's correct, mate. Uh, the big part of this was the write-downs of their international aircraft because, uh, well, I'll get to that in a sec, because uh, if you actually take all the write-downs out, they lost about $656 million, I believe it was, which is about on par with what analysts were thinking. It's in the ballpark of what they thought they'd be losing this year. The huge amount of write-down is because uh, Qantas have decided that they're going to once again look at separating domestic and international into separate uh, entities. Uh, They started doing that earlier and parked it after spending quite a few million dollars on it. They'd spent quite a lot of money on assessing and setting up and realized that they're going down the wrong path. And so now they're going to do it differently, possibly the same way Virgin has, which is where um, the international is in a um, wholly owned subsidiary of the domestic. It's a a very interesting structure because while the government have indeed changed the Qantas Sale Act, which now allows one single foreign entity to own up to 49% of Qantas, because it's an international carrier, Qantas itself, as it currently stands, cannot be sold more than 49% to foreign entities because it carries the Australian flag internationally. And the same hits uh, Virgin, which is why Virgin has set up this, some would call it a sham, some would call it a dodgy, but others say it's a, um, what might you call, creative approach to the solution, which is where you have the uh, international, often its own company that's sort of kind of owned, but under different structures. And that allows the domestic operation to be pretty much 100% owned by foreign entities within the um, limitations of what the uh, government allows each time the Foreign Investment Review Board meet. So Qantas are now going for that kind of structure, which uh, although the Qantas Sale Act still restricts up to 49% of any one foreign owner, the Qantas domestic operation could therefore be sold entirely to foreign owners provided the Foreign Investment Review Board of the government allows it. So that's what they're doing. Massive write-down because they're devaluing their aircraft to put them across into this new international entity. Of course, by devaluing those those aircraft, taking the write-down now, they don't get a huge capital gains tax when they um, move them across to the international entity. Boy, this is turning into a uh, into a finance podcast, mate. But uh, speaking of uh, finance podcasts, what we thought we'd do is play this interview that I heard this week on the Money News Show. Now, this is uh, Ross Greenwood, uh, one of Australia's uh, leading financial commentators, and he runs a show up there in Sydney on their radio station 2GB. So uh, I hope he doesn't mind. 
time. We're going to play the interview in full. It goes for about uh, just under 12 minutes, but it's really interesting and it'll give you an idea of what it's like to deal with Alan Joyce. I think he gives him a pretty good grilling. And uh, Alan Joyce, um, very good. You've got to hand it to him. He stays on message. Let's have a listen. Many thanks for your time, Alan. Thanks, Ross. Good to talk to you again. Since you became the chief executive in November 2008, around $3 billion worth of shareholders' value as listed on the stock market has disappeared. Are you responsible for that? Well, I think what we have gone through on a Ross is, a, is an environment that's been very difficult for airlines in generally, and particularly airlines in Australia. The global financial crisis had an impact of airlines everywhere. There are a lot of airlines that have gone through restructuring in the United States, in Japan, in Europe. And I think in this market, we've seen a lot of capacity being added um, and fuel prices hit the airlines dramatically. And you take our numbers for last year as an example. Uh, we, we lost 646 million, as you said, at the underlying level level. Um, our fuel cost was record high, 4.5 billion, up 240 million. We had a nearly a 10% capacity growth from international carriers, most of which are losing money and have withdrawn capacity. Uh, but that resulted in nearly uh, that extra capacity across domestic and international resulted in a 500 million hit to our bottom line through, uh, through depressed yields. So there's an environment that's been very difficult. A lot of airlines have gone through challenges, but it's about turning the business around. We have a transformation program that we're focused in. It's delivering results. And as a, as a result of what we're seeing, we're expecting the airline to get back into profits in the first half of the current financial year at the underline level. That's a big improvement and a big turnaround. And it's all because we are very focused on this transformation program and turning the airline around. Okay. So what you're saying to me is as chief executive, since November 2008, you as chief executive and your team have made no mischief judgments, no missteps, that you've got every one of your strategies right, such as, say, for example, embarking on a, on a price war, a capacity war with your, domestic, uh, with your domestic competitor Virgin at the same time that you had your international uh, division, as you've explained, under enormous pressure. The question about the timing of that really has to, I think, in many investors' minds, at least raise questions about the, the strategy of the management and the board. Well, I, I think what's, what's cleared out of the numbers that we saw for last year, Ross, is that our domestic business is still profitable um, and our competitors are not. Um, we, we very clearly uh, have a product proposition that appeals to the corporate marketing quantas. That product proposition is about the frequent flyer program, the lounges, but very importantly, it's about the network, the destinations and frequencies that we have. Sure, but uh, just picking you up there, I mean, the previous year, you say that, the capacity war, it did make $365 million in this last year, as you're aware, I mean, your numbers, it made $30 million, so it's barely broken even. Had you made the $365 million, I mean, that underlying loss that we talked about before, $646 million, would have been in much better shape, surely. So yep. the timing of that price war still, I would think, would raise questions in many people's minds. Yeah, but Ross, I would say, and, and I think a lot of our shareholders, the board and, and the people that look at it would say our position would have been unbelievably weakened for the future if we hadn't defended our our position on the corporate market. And um, if you don't offer the best frequencies and the best network, you don't keep 80% of the corporate market that we have done over that period of time. You don't keep on renewing corporate accounts. You don't keep the big uh, business travellers travelling with you. In the long term, you're a lot worse off as a consequence of that. And, you know, it is management's judgment about what it does uh, to uh, to protect its its long-term position and, and short-term issues that occur as a consequence of it. But, but the reality is that our competitors 
competitor at a capacity and frequencies we we matched uh, we closed off the competitive advantage that we were taught we were there and, and and nobody's won out of that but the market is going back to a sensible level of capacity and I think everybody will improve out of it but I have, I have no qualms in defending our position and protecting our very important premium market uh, protecting the product that we offer those customers and keeping 80% of the corporate market that is in the long term interest of Qantas and I think it will show up in our results in the long term. But one of the reasons why is return to that sensible level that you talked about there is because Qantas stopped the capacity war. You made the public statement we're not going to increase our capacity for the foreseeable future. That's the reason why the capacity war and the price war has ended and ultimately why you might be able to get back to that previous level of profitability. So the question again is, why would have you even entered in that? Why would you not have allowed your, your market share to drift down uh, below that 65% line in the sand that you had? Something changed there. But what has changed is the market has certainly gotten weak. And as you know, consumer confidence has changed. We decided to take the capacity levels down because we've seen the resource sector pull back. We've seen government travel pull back. We've seen a weak demand environment. Um, and our competition has pulled back post this as well. So we've seen significant capacity reductions from them. And at the end of the day, you know, I think our market share in, in June was 64%. So after two years of this battle occurring, we're back to where we started. Uh, and Qantas has kept over 80% of the corporate market. Um, the reason why our numbers will improve in the forthcoming year is because we are delivering on the transformation benefits that we believe need to be done in the domestic business. This is all about us making sure our cost base is competitive, which it wasn't in Qantas Domestic, making sure that we deliver on, on better customer service, which we are, record levels of customer service, delivering on better on-time performance. We've now had five years of the best on-time performance airline, which is key for business, 18 months in a row of best on-time performance. So it's delivering for our customer and renewing the fleet. We've spent a lot of money um, since I've been CEO of New Aircraft. It's the youngest it's been for 20 years. That's a big investment hurdle that we were getting over. And we think we've done the bulk of that. We've gotten past it. And now we can actually get the business to get the benefits of that new aircraft going forward and they'll come true in transformation. Okay, let's go to three key points that come out of today's announcement. Um, this is obviously the record loss. Uh, one is, uh, you did say that you'd be back in profit uh, in this next financial year, notwithstanding uh, any, any, any disasters or any real problems that might happen around the world. We'll take that one. Number two, the 5,000 job losses you announced earlier this year, you said around half of them have already gone. You also indicated there'll be no new job losses. Are you still sticking by that one? Yes, we are. We're saying very clearly the, the $2 billion transformation program includes 5,000 job losses. We're halfway through that program. We'll be completing that program because that's critical for the future success of the, of the, of the airline. And completing it by when? So we we will have um, uh, the 4,000 uh, uh, job reduction by the end of the current financial year and in the next financial year, another 1,000 taking us to the 5,000. Okay, then the other important aspect of today is uh, creating a new entity in which the, the loss-making international division will sit. Now, you've indicated that this is because of the government changes that will allow foreign investment to come into your international airline just as it does with your competitor. Uh, is that primarily the reason? Are you waiting for an investor to come in and, and buy into the international airline? Yeah, so that, that's this a long-term initiative that we believe is important following the changes to the Qantas Sale Act, which just went through Parliament on Monday, uh, well, got signed by the Governor-General on Monday, and that allows us now to 
have uh, no restrictions up to 49% on airline ownership, which did exist before that change. Um, so, so what we've done is create options for us in the longer term to allow us to have more foreign investment. Still, the business is is restricted by the 51% Australian ownership under the Act. Nothing we will do will ever violate that. It's still restricted in terms of the board and chairman being Australian, and it still will be pro- primarily um, have its operations based in Australia so that that all doesn't change but allows us to have access to foreign investment which our competitor has access to but we're not seeking that in the short term that's something we think will happen in the longer term okay the stock market currently values Qantas at around about three billion dollars you have about three billion dollars in cash and it was always said that the frequent flyer scheme the Qantas loyalty scheme would be worth between uh, two and a half and three billion dollars in other words the actual full value of the airline Um, but you've decided to keep that scheme you've said today you looked at selling it but you've decided to hang on to it why well, because that, 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 that's a great business for us, and we think there's a huge growth opportunities for the business going forward. Uh, five years ago, when I took over as CEO, we had 5 million members. Today, has 10 million members. Uh, five years ago, the profitability were half the levels that we had today. It's now doubled, and we've had 10 years of double-digit growth. It's launching new initiatives like the Qantas Cash Card, which allows you to put foreign currency on the back of your frequent flyer card, and a new small and medium-sized uh, frequent flyer scheme called the which is now 35,000 business um, signed up to it. And we see double-digit growth for that program going forward. Uh, and we see good shareholder value to be achieved out of that program. And you're absolutely right. You know, I don't think that the value of, of parts of the Qantas group are representative uh, clearly in the value of the group as a whole. But we think uh, that will be demonstrated through the transformation of our business, um, turning uh, the domestic business into bigger profitability, turning around the international business and continuing to grow in the loyalty business, uh, which will show true in the shareholder value in the long term. You're aware that plenty of people have called for your head, for you to resign from this company. Uh, the, the question is, I mean, is it right that you maintain and, and continue through this strategy that uh, notwithstanding the, the, the record loss that actually has been announced today, uh, and also even you said today that uh, you will take a pay cut, 40% pay cut you will take. Is that reasonable? Is that enough given the state of Qantas today? Well, well, as, as, as we said on Ross, I'm committed to Qantas. Um, the, I've got the full support of the board, full support of the shareholders to complete the transformation program. But the record losses that Qantas experienced today uh, were because of 250 million increase in fuel, which is outside of management's control, um, a, a, an environment where we had 10% capacity being added internationally, which has had an impact on our yield. But the largest bulk of it, as you said, is a write-down of aircraft uh, as a consequence of the structural change we're making, because these aircraft were bought at 50 cents to the dollar, 57 cents to the dollar, and the Australian dollars at 93 cents. Um, that's a big write-down of $2.6 billion, a non-cash write-down, hasn't come out of our cash book, it's just the value of the aircraft, because they were bought at a time when the Australian dollar was very, very different. We needed to fix that and correct it. It is being corrected. And, and, and again, that's the underlying reasons for it. My job is to turn Qantas around. We've given an outlook that Qantas will get back into profit in the first half of this year. Uh, we're on track to achieve that. The transformation is on track. Uh, we're achieving record customer satisfaction, best on-time performance. And we are turning the business around and making the right decisions to renew this business for the next 90 years, and I'm fully committed to doing that. Alan Joyce, Chief Executive of Qantas. As always, we appreciate your time. 
Thanks, Ross. Appreciate your time. Now, uh, there you go. So, Alan Joyce, um, you know, of course, that's not an Australian accent, in case you're wondering, our American friends. That's, in fact, he's from Ireland, obviously. Yeah, so that's uh, even difficult for us to understand sometimes. But uh, I've got to tell you, he really does stay on message. He's got his talking points there ready. And uh, this is what it's like every time you hear an interview with Alan Joyce. He, he comes in there prepared with his talking points, and uh, he just stays on message. Uh, Grant, um, sometimes he actually uh, even got close to answering some of the questions that uh, Ross Greenwood asked of him there. But, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I'd agree with you there, mate. He did actually a couple of times almost slip up and fail to dodge, duck, dip, dive and dodge correctly. I'll tell you what, though, as they pointed out there, the share price actually went up 7%, so uh, the market wasn't as uh, you know as alarmed as uh, the headlines on the front of all the uh, national daily newspapers were. Yeah, well, I'm still scratching my head a little on this. Um, I think they've got a few people really well suckered, but it's, um, look, it's interesting. I think um, Alan Joyce does everything he can to avoid saying that, yes, he as a CEO, he should be responsible, which goes against everything. Uh, he, he's always finding reasons why there's problems and it's not to do with him or the board. Uh, two years ago, he said, oh, yeah, we'll be in profitability in a year. Then a year ago, he said, oh, yeah, yeah, it's been hard. There's been all these things going against us, but we're turning the ship around and we'll be in profitability in a year. Guess what he's saying this year? Mm, it's exactly the same message every time. He's, he's banking on the fact that uh, people have short memories and apparently they do. i tell you what, Grant, uh, it wasn't all plain sailing uh, for their competitor, Virgin Australia, either. They, they listed uh, a loss the next day of around $300-odd million. So uh, I guess the adage of um, creating a small fortune with airlines is the best way to do that is to start with a large one. That's the one, mate. Uh, a lot of funds have been pumped into Virgin. Um, admittedly, they're going, it looks like they're going to bring their 737 Maxes on earlier than uh, Jetstar will have their A320. Neos, uh, which will give them a bit of an edge over the Qantas domestic operation. They're also looking at uh, introducing a new business class into their A330s for the transcontinental flights, which is interesting because Qantas, uh, they dallied, they dallied and they mentioned this and they mentioned that and they finally locked down and announced that this is what they were going to do with their business class and Virgin just waited a little bit longer for a couple of new products to be available, jumped on them and said, hey, this is what we're doing and it's better than Qantas. So this is a ding-dong battle and away it goes. But uh, so long as the airlines don't continue to do what has been proven again and again around the world and that is death by market share where they uh, just try and hold market share and flood um, flood what's available. Next thing you know, your load factor is pathetic and you're losing money on all your aircraft. So if they can avoid that, that will definitely help, I think. And it's interesting, isn't it? When you look across the Tasman at Air New Zealand, they're doing quite well. Thank you very much. So it just goes to show the difference in uh, operating styles. And uh, I guess obviously Qantas is uh, quite a bigger juggernaut than Air New Zealand. But it's always interesting to see just how well that airline's doing. I mean, you go back 10 or 15 years and they were, you know, they were on the brink of collapse themselves. And uh, they've really managed to turn that little airline around. And, uh, you know, maybe uh, Qantas should be uh, having a look at the way they do things over there and seeing if they can do it themselves. Oh, definitely, mate. Because to quote Christopher Luxon, the CEO of Air New Zealand, using the excuse of, ah, oh, we're an end to the line carrier is uh, sort of like saying the dog ate my homework. Um, Qantas are forever saying, oh, it's very hard to get anything done with an end of the line carrier, but end of nowhere, down the end and all this kind of stuff. Well, Air New Zealand's even further off than Qantas and they're doing quite well. 
So, mm, mm, interesting, hey. So there you go. For, well, I'll tell you what, Grant, I hope Qantas at least runs for a little while longer because in about three and a half weeks from now, um, I'm actually uh, flying to the United States on a Qantas A380. So uh, let's hope it's still flying. Uh, yeah, that, that would be a good thing. Hopefully they don't get grounded again or anything like that. But uh, no, mate, I think you're going to have clear sailing and a lot of fun going to Oz Vegas, as the phrase has been used. That's right. Uh, the Vischer family and the Vanderhoofs is going to be great fun. I'll tell you what, Grant, speaking of people that have been on the airplane geeks, I noticed that uh, Mr. Flying with Fish himself, Stephen Frischling, has been up in Sydney the last few days and uh, blogging madly, doing something there with the uh, Sky team. So uh, I think he actually got stuck in... I'm sorry that he got stuck in Sydney. He should have come here to Melbourne. Yeah, it wouldn't have got stuck otherwise. Well, probably could have chucked him on a balloon. We, did, we actually got some flights in this weekend. But uh, yeah, yeah, folks, in case you're wondering, no, the McCarran family is not joining the Vischer and, uh, and Vanderhoof family in Las Vegas. There were certain strategic arms limitation treaties and ITAR limitations that would have been violated if all of us had have got together. So don't worry, Vegas is safe. All right, no worries. Well, that's everything we have for you on this week's rather extended Australian news desk. I hope that was uh, an interesting uh, insight into how uh, the Qantas spin machine works. I always find it really interesting. A very slick character, Alan Joyce, but uh, I guess we'll be back for a much shorter version next week. Until then, I'm Steve Vischer. And to be sure, to be sure, I'm Grant McCarran. You know, you really are the resident linguist of this podcast. I'm very cunning.